This is Dalio's Principles, a philosophical examination. The unofficial podcast companion for Ray Dalio's book, Principles. This podcast will deeply explore the book and principles. The podcast is hosted by Micah Bays and John Sextro. Micah has a PhD in philosophy and has taught numerous college philosophy courses, including The Meaning of Life, Ethics, and Reason and Argument. John shares his perspective from years of experience trying to live out Ray's principles in his life and work. And you can follow us on Twitter. Micah is at Micah Bays, all one word. And I am at John Sextro, all one word. And now, this week's episode. I'm Micah Bays. And I'm John Sextro. We're back here with Dalio's Principles, a philosophical examination. Micah, this episode, we're going to be talking about Principle 1.9, which says, own your outcomes. And I know, Micah, you were a little surprised uh, that the, the title didn't exactly match up with what you expected. What, what surprised you right. about yeah. this one? Yeah. So own your outcomes. When I hear that, you know, I think of, I thought what he might talk about is you know, essentially like accepting responsibility for your actions. You know, um, if something goes poorly, don't try and blame others or don't try and explain it away about, well, I'm not really responsible or it wasn't really my fault. You know, there are circumstances beyond my control and blah, blah, blah. Um, but that really wasn't what he's talking about at yeah, all. Not entirely, but maybe just tangentially. So I think he would True. still say that those things are, are valid. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not as though he's saying don't accept responsibility. It's just, that's not the subject of this principle. And that was just what, you know, surprised me a little bit from the title. I thought that's what we would be talking about. Right. I, uh, as I was finished rereading this again the other night. And as I was actually reading it, I thought, oh, this is, we just talked about tough love in the, in one of the previous principles. I think it was the one right before this. And I thought, oh, this is like Ray giving us a little bit of tough love because I, what I really think he's saying is don't let uh, the crappy things that happen to you in life hold you down or don't let them become an excuse to say, I give up. I give up on my dream because um, I went bankrupt and uh, chasing my dream, I went bankrupt. Don't give up necessarily on it. Maybe reflect uh, and, and consider the pain that you've experienced and, and try to come up with a different approach. But don't have this aspect of woe is me. The world is out to get me. Uh, everybody is, is suppressing me. Everybody is against me and I'll never be successful because, 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 and because everybody is essentially against me. And that's the owning our own outcome and saying, no, I mean, I mean, maybe people are against you, but everybody's like against you at some level because this is the whole world is sort of a competition. Uh, but nobody specifically is like, Ooh, Micah. Never be. I'm never going to let Micah be successful because, right? Yeah, I think and I'm probably just paraphrasing here what you said, but maybe it will sound smarter than what you said I, I, or dumber. Uh, but uh, when you think about own your outcomes, so when you think about the outcome of your life, right? Is the outcome of your life is it a happy one? Is it a successful one? And it's saying take ownership of whether the outcome of life of your life is happy or whether it's um, successful. Um, as you said, right, don't let other people 
or circumstances determine whether the outcome of your life is a happy one or a successful one. I used to uh, have this thing where I would, I would get angry um, pretty frequently and mainly because of things like work related things. So it wasn't, it wasn't um, very angry. It was just, Oh, it upset me. And I talked to some people about it, uh, professionals about it and was enlightened to the fact that I'm responsible for those, those feelings. I would think that, you know, if you and I were in a meeting, Micah, and you had a, you had a really good point, but it was counter to the point that I was making, I would be mad at you in, in the old days of how I operate it. And I would think you were out to get me or something like that. Uh, rather than owning the fact that maybe I just hadn't made my point as well as the point that you had made. So I would get, I would get angry and I, and I would say, Micah made me angry. Well, no, I mean, I, I allowed myself to become angry uh, as a result of something you did, but you, you would, you might be simply floating along through your life thinking nothing of it, having not even thought of me or, or anything like there's no ability for people to, to cast a psychic ray on us and say, I'm making them angry. I'm, I'm, I'm using my psychic abilities to anger them. Now, our words are important and we know that and we know that people are triggered by words and words matter. It's not, when I was a kid, we used to say sticks and stones can break your bones, but words will never hurt you. And I think I haven't heard somebody say that in a really long time. I think that's sort of old school thinking. So words matter, but as adults, it's important for us to own our triggers own our own emotions and become capable of separating the difference between words that somebody says and an emotion that that might create inside myself. And so that's where I, where I went to with this immediately, uh, especially, especially when you start to think about owning, owning the outcome. It was the owning that really drove it home for me. Yeah. And yeah, I think some of this goes back to, we've talked about stoicism, uh, you know, on this podcast. And again, for the Stoics, you know, roughly the way to live is in accordance with reason, uh, in the rational ordering of things. And what they're going to say is, you know, what's, what you should be concerned with is what is up to you and the internals. And what you shouldn't be concerned with is, are the things that are outside your control. Um, so, as you talked about with someone who might be after you or you know, say bad things about you, right? Uh, I know I mentioned the famous, somewhat famous uh, quote by Epictetus that um, it's not the insult that bothers you. It's the thought of the insult that bothers you. And right. I don't fully buy into that entirely, um, but I think there's a lot of truth in it um, in that to a large degree, we determine how we're going to respond to insults by others. Um, and there's also a question of, well, maybe not right now. Maybe I can't control it because of my psychology, but maybe there's some things I can do to change my psychology so that I'm not so bothered by it. You asked the question about the tie, the tie in between, um, between this owning our own outcomes and evolving and success and happiness. Do you feel like we adequately, I, I think I sort of glossed over your question and we didn't really go into it. Yeah, I, well, I think at this point, maybe just to kind of frame the discussion or just to have something that's maybe in the back of all of your mind, my mind, and our listeners' minds, as we talk about this, 
owning your outcome, um, I'd say let's just kind of keep in the back of our mind this question. What's the relationship between evolving or contributing to evolution, you know, as Ray has talked about? So what's the relationship between that, success, and happiness? Can you have success without, ev- you know, without evolving? Can you have happiness without evolving? Uh, can you have happiness without success and so on? Um, so I'd say at this point, let's just keep those questions in mind. And uh, maybe we can come back to that. Right. Okay. Well, you want to talk a little bit about like your risk aversion and how maybe that impacts your owning your own outcomes. Ray states uh, in this, in explaining this principle, he says that life gives you so many decisions to make and so many opportunities to recover from your mistakes that if you handle them well, you can have a terrific life. So I know certainly with my risk aversion, right? There's a worry. Oh, if I make a mistake, I think the thought is probably, oh, this is going to be terrible. You know, I my life is going to be ruined, right? Um, Definitely, no question, <laughs> totally ruined. Yeah. Um, so one, I think this goes back to the first, second, and third order consequences. Yeah. Um, you think about well, if I make a mistake, um, you know, maybe I give a presentation at work or something. Or, you know, as I was a kid, right, it was in school, right? If you have give a presentation, you're worried about, well, if this goes bad or if I have a bad game, right? If I have a poor performance in a game, that's going to be so terrible. And it'd be very easy to make let that make you just not want to risk because you're worried that you're going to screw up and make things bad. But then, okay, yeah, the first order consequence might be bad. Maybe some people will say some negative things about your performance or your presentation. But then you think about, okay, well, in the long run, right? Second and third order consequences, how bad is this really going to be? And the reality is, right, in part, the second and third order consequences are going to depend on to what extent do you learn from that mistake, right? Um, So we have this ability to actually make improvements and so a mistake isn't number one, it's typically not, you know, life destroying or happiness destroying. Um, but when we just think about the first order consequence, we maybe weight it much more heavily than we should. It's so important to weigh the second and third order consequences, just like we reviewed in, in the last principle. Right. And so, yeah, with my risk aversion, right, you think about well, really, what's the worst that's going to happen with things? So, for example, right, doing this podcast, um, what's the worst that could happen? Well, I mean, we could come up with some very unlikely scenarios and say, well, by doing this podcast, right, I end up saying something I shouldn't. I get fired from my job or something, right? Some people have done that. Sure. <laughs> um, I don't expect that that's going to be a problem with me, but yeah, that's the worst that could happen, right? Well, maybe even some other worse things, but really it's more of, okay, what things that are likely that are bad could happen. Right. So certainly with, you know, having a PhD in philosophy, there's some bit of pride on my part. Like, well, I don't want to say something stupid about philosophy. Right. And make myself sound dumber than I am, or maybe have people realize how dumb I am. (laughs) Um, So for example, I think it was last podcast or, or maybe a couple podcasts ago, I was talking about Harry Frankfurt and I was thinking about in terms of happiness. And afterwards I was like, Oh no, Actually, he was talking about free will and this two-tiered desires thing. Um, eh, and I made a mistake. Big deal. So far, I haven't 
you know, had anything really bad happen. Yet. Did anybody follow up with you and say, Hey, you, you screwed up what Harry Frankfurter said? <laughs> no, not yet. At least good. We're not huh. apparently famous enough. No, def- definitely not <laughs> famous enough. We operate the podcast on the value for value model. We're entirely listener supported. If you enjoy the podcast and find value in the information and entertainment you receive, visit our website at daliosprinciples.fireside.fm slash donate. You can also help us grow by promoting us on social media. So get out there and tell all of your friends about the podcast and help us spread the word. And now back to the show. Well, I I think that's a good perspective. I mean, you, we, we tend to catastrophize the things that, that could could potentially happen to us without really understanding that the likelihood of some of those things is almost nil. And, uh, and we let them, we let them have the same weight as something that's much more likely to happen in, in, in our lives. Um, one of the things, Micah, that, that I, we started to talk about a little bit was race. Ray talks about, uh, a, a thing that comes out in psychology, which is the idea of this internal locus of control. And I started to talk a little bit about it when I was mentioning the anger that I used to have and how I started to, you know, realize that, Hey, that's something that, that I can control. And I think what's really important for people to hear and to realize is that by shifting this, uh, shifting the responsibility to yourself, internalizing that responsibility and realizing I can actually control this, that that's a big contributor to success overall. So in terms of your questions around how did these, how does this contribute to success, happiness, evolution by shifting this locus of control to internal, that's a, that's a real leading indicator for people being successful in the job world, in the professional, having a job industry career wise. Got them. I don't know. I'm all over the place with that, with that description. But from that perspective, when you're, when you're able to own your own outcomes, you are just more successful. And I, I did a little bit of digging around on this. And so there are, there are a couple of things that I'll include in our show notes in terms of other psychology related articles that you can read. But this actually, in my thinking, went back to something stupid that I brought up many episodes ago. And it's one of the many stupid things. So you won't remember be able to narrow it down just based on that description, Micah, but it's the conversation about ants and, you know, us disrupting an ants colony or their mound or whatever it is, their ant hill. And, you know, if the ants just fell apart and we're like, God, that guy ruined my life. He, he killed my, my friends and he ruined our house. And I mean, they would just fall apart and, and probably all expire pretty quickly. And uh, that's just not what they do. I mean, that's not what generally happens in the animal kingdom. The animal kingdom seems to be very resilient for the most part. Um, you know, there's certainly um, cases and examples where we see not always the case, uh, but that people just, uh, that not people, that the animals, these species, they just sort of keep going on. They're like, okay, we'll rebuild our life somewhere else. And they don't sit there and just feel sorry for themselves and, oh, woe is me, my home is ruined. My life is over. Uh, Maybe they don't have the cognition, cognitive power to even consider that sort of a thing. And probably a lot of people are yelling at their, uh, their iPhone or Android device (laughs) right now saying you're, you should, they don't even have the brain to really (laughs) consider this sort of Mm -hmm. thing. But I mean, it's an example at least of 
how life just sort of goes on and how we should do that as well, I think. Right. And, you know, certainly, you know, higher up animals, right, that have intellectual capacities closer to ours um, and probably, you know, go beyond mine. But uh, you know, certainly they are typically resilient, you know. Um, yeah, as, as you said, there's cases where some animals, you know, dogs, you know, pets that have been abused and so on can become depressed and can make them, you know, to where they don't you might say flourish anymore. They kind of have given up. Um, but again, those are kind of more of anomalies. Yeah. We see animals that, that and Ray would transition into talking about the story that Ray tells Michael, where a friend of his dives into a swimming, to, swimming pool, has an accident, hits his head, I assume hurts his like spinal cord and all of that and becomes a quadriplegic. Um, dogs often, get run over by a car and maybe they lose the use of their back legs and those dogs don't just lay down and die and say, Oh, well, I just, that's it. You know, they, they keep dragging them little selves around yeah. and then people strap those little carts onto them <laughs> and they run around like that. And they're, they seem pretty happy. And I don't mean to diminish or demean an injury of this magnitude, but you don't have to, we, we don't have to allow those things to be life ending. Uh, figuratively or in a, in a real way, we, we, we can go on, we can move on. We can decide to say, wow, that sucks. And that has really changed the course and the trajectory of my life, but I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna try to do the best that I can do and find ways to succeed, find ways to evolve and still have happiness. Yeah, I, th I think this is maybe surprising on one level in that, you know, Ray has talked about, you know, evolution so much and, you know, becoming better yourself and um, making a difference. And, you know, he's talked about, you know, there's this decision we all have to make between do we want to save our life or make a difference? But he certainly has put a big emphasis on making a difference um, and in particular contributing to the evolution as a whole. And he talks about, you know, how evolution is the greatest reward. And so then I think, you know, if, as you're going through the book, it might be easy to just start to assume or presume that, oh, well, to live a successful life or a happy life requires, you know, really going beyond the norm, you might say, and being maybe more successful than most people or, you know, contributing to evolution in some significant way. Um, and so, you might think to be successful or to be happy or both would require that. And so then it might be surprising to hear that, you know, he's talking about some pretty significant uh, disruptions, you might say, or limitations that one might find themselves in. Um, and yet he still says these people can be successful. These people can still be happy. I mean, he does say, right, there are some cases, some tragedies, you might say, that are so bad that it might prevent you know, a happy life. Um, but he thinks those are the rare exception. Um, again, you know, of course we may want to think about what's the difference in context, right? Between those of us who obviously have live in the U S right. Where we have it very easy, um, you know, relative to a lot of places in the world. I think Ray's point is even if you do, uh, experience some really, um, limiting, circumstances for him success is getting what you want out of life 
And so what you want to do then is you might say, reset your wants out of life and don't, don't want things that are genuinely or actually outside of your actual capability to achieve, right? Don't aim for things that you can't successfully get. Um, take into account what your current genuine limitations are and aim for things you might say within inside that, within inside those limitations, because then you can still get what you want, even if maybe what you want isn't as, you might say, grandiose as before. Sounds like you're sort of advocating for be realistic about what your goals are and avoid just being, um, I don't know, dream, dreamy, like, oh, I can be a prince or I can be a princess. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean. Right. Everyone can be, everyone can uh, grow up to be the president, right? Not true. <laughs> um Right. There's too many people and not enough positions <laughs> um, there. But there are some things that you just I can't be a prince unless I'm born into the lineage. At least if I'm born in the U.S., I have a chance that I could be the president. Right. So there, but there are some there are some things where there's no physical way for it to happen. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to aspire to try to aspire to those things. Um, and then there are things that are not likely to happen. But I don't think you would discourage someone from having the dream to one day be president, would you? Well, I mean, I think, you know, certainly Ray's going to say only if, you know, you shouldn't aspire to it if you genuinely aren't capable of doing it, right? Um, if you don't have the skills or capacities to be president, be realistic about what your actual skill set is, right? Um, so don't aim for something that's outside of your capacities. Um, now he also acknowledges, right, that the current skills you have aren't the skills that you're stuck with, right? You very well may improve yourself, um, so you have to take that into account as well. I think that's important because very early in life, I think we do a lot of things where we encourage young people to to dream very large dreams, very very large ideals for what they want to be, and we tell them you could be president. Now they don't know. They're not fully formed human beings. They don't really know where their skills are, what skills they have, to what degree, what what opportunity they have to evolve those skills and those sorts of things. So they're sort of, they're, um, you, you don't know. It, it's still within the realm of possibility. But by the time you get to around maybe 35, 40 years old, you've had jobs, careers, know what your skills are. If you don't like public speaking and you know being in the public eye, you're not good at those things. It's probably going to be tough to be the president. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that maybe, and then maybe it's a time to reevaluate is a presidential dream really one that I should continue to hold on to, or should I be honest with myself and sort of own my own outcome and say, it's not that the world is oppressing me and keeping me from becoming the president. It's just that I'm not really equipped, ready, evolved enough. haven't, haven't you know taken the taken the steps the actions to ready myself for that thing so maybe i should try something else look for something else right yeah and you know even it it could be that the world is after you or you know whether it's people or just your circumstances might be such that you just can't for whatever reason, you know, i can't come up with a good example right now but the way you would own your outcome is going to say is to be is to say okay even if i can't become president I can still be happy. I can still be successful because I can change 
what I'm aiming for in life. Reset your expectations. Or, or I guess you could just, you know, again, there's always that option of just crumble apart and, <laughs> and, and give up. But hopefully we're not, you're not doing that. Yeah. You know, one thing I w- thought was interesting here is, you know, Ray talks about how, you know, most of whether, you know, whether we can be happy or successful is largely within our control. But he does acknowledge that, you know, some things could be outside our control. There are some rare, some rare circumstances where maybe it really is the case that you can't be happy um, or you can't be successful. That's beyond your control. Um, so Aristotle, we've talked about him a little bit. Um, Aristotle has a conception of happiness. It's uh, certainly different than Ray's conception of happiness. Um, for Aristotle, there's you know particular uh, character traits that you have to have. Um, and I don't know that necessarily Ray would disagree with this, but the way they arrive at it would be different for sure. Um, but Ray's, or, uh, Aristotle is going to talk about, you know, there are yeah internal moral characteristics like uh, courage or being temperate, not being too concerned with pleasure, various characteristics that you have to have. You have to be uh, generous. And ultimately for Aristotle, the good life, and there's debates about this, but the good life is the life lived in accordance with virtue. Um, and in particular, it's going to be Roughly, it's going to be like the life of contemplation is the good life. But what Aristotle says is whether you can live this life out, it's largely up to your control. Um, but there are external factors that can play in that can limit your ability to be happy. Um, in other words, there are some external goods. So he's going to talk about, you know, like money or could be relationships with other people that are outside of your control. You can't decide. Always, you can't always control how much money you have or control whether people like you and so on. Um, one interesting thing that Aristotle even says is if you're too ugly, you can't be happy. Now, I think some people would really push back on that and really maybe be offended by that and say, well, why in the world did Aristotle say, you know, he, he must have been just a good looking guy himself and right, he's gonna say that, right, ugly people can't, um, be happy, but uh, an example I gave to my students when I taught this, uh, there was several years ago now, there was a photo of uh, the Pope who was hugging a man who came to see him, and the Pope embraced him, and that's what the photo is of. But when I first looked at that photo, I couldn't really make out what I was seeing. Um, It wasn't clear to me, like, what the... I couldn't clearly see that what the Pope was doing was holding the man's you know, head um, because he was so disfigured. Um, we'll put a link to this in the show notes. Um, you know, again, not like some kind of um, exhibition type thing, but um, just the idea here is um, given all of these bumps on his head, on his head, these gross people, if you think about what it would be like to be him and he, there's an article where he talks about what it is like to be him. You know, people shunned him people, right. If you saw him on the bus, people would go and they'd sit away or they'd get up and move to a different part of the bus. Cause they didn't want to sit next to him because they found his appearance. So revolting. Um, and there are, you know, physical pains that came with having these bumps on his face. I think, you know, it's hard to get everything clean. And you think about what that effect would be on your, 
social relationships. Um, it would be very, uh, I guess, debilitating as far as being able to interact with society in a positive and a good way. Um, and so I think perhaps Aristotle had something like that in mind. Um, you know, that extreme sense of being quote unquote too ugly. Extreme uh, and just so much out of your own locus of control. Like there's literally nothing you can do about this there. You can't change someone's perceptions. You can't, there's probably no amount of, and I'm looking at the picture right now. There's probably no amount of like cosmetic surgeries that you could go through. Um, there's you, it's, it's going to be a, a quite an uphill battle to ever really have this, at least even get to get to a point where when you start life out this way, that you could ever sort of get back to a same level playing field as the majority of people in the population and their odds of having happiness compared to this person's odds of having happiness because of all of the things that, that you so aptly described. So that's the, that sounds like it's the exceptional case here that Dalio points out. Right. And you know, at the same time, I also don't want to say, well, this person can't be happy, right? I, I haven't been, I haven't, I really don't know what he's capable of. Um, I don't know how he would describe his life, but certainly he describes a lot of very difficult situations. And, you know, you could see at least how someone in a similar situation, maybe it would be difficult or impossible to have happiness. Um, I mean, certainly you're going to experience happiness. It's just a matter of, do you experience it in the same quantities as others? Do you, you, do you have to work harder for it? Does it come easily? And, and the hardships that are, associated with that sort of thing. Right. So once again, Mike, it feels like through this principle of owning our outcomes, Dalio's trying to give us some tough love. Um, he acknowledges in, in what we just discussed that there are ex exceptional circumstances where things are entirely out of your control and that there's not much, if anything you could possibly do with those. But he asserts that uh, we, we, by focusing on our, on ourselves by trying to change the locus of control to internal by, by owning this internally and really embracing what's going on and trying to find a way to work around it or um, improve the situation that we're, that we're in that we'll have more success, more of an opportunity to evolve, more of an opportunity to have happiness, all of that through uh, principle 1.9. Any additional points that you'd like to share about 1.9 Micah? Um, I think, you know, just in just tacking on to this idea of owning your outcome, right? If you think about someone who's focused on the externals, right? And it's things that are beyond their control, there's nothing they can change. You know, just by definition, right? If it's out of your side of your control, there's nothing you can change. And so if your happiness is dependent on those things outside of you, then, you know, you can't do much. But if it, really is the case that psychologically we're able to change what our expectations are, change what we want out of life. Um, then by focusing on what we can change, then we can actually do something about it. Um, and so it seems just to kind of follow that that would make sense that we would be able to more likely experience success or happiness. So that's it for episode 1.9. We'll be back next episode with principle 1.10. Micah, thanks. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening. Let's keep the conversation going on our subreddit, Dalio's Principles at reddit.com. 
The subreddit is Dalio's Principles, all one word. Join us to interact with a community of like-minded individuals. 